Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on a 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago sports betting. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Hello? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Broadcasting from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. The suddenly interesting MLB awards market and the Summer League on the docket this morning. But we'll begin with some NFL talk from a familiar voice. Joe Ostrowski here on Early Odds with you. Uh, That familiar voice, Paul Charchian of guillotineleagues.com, has an early look at season-long bets, bus, sleepers, to fade or not to fade his Vikings, but Charch explains... Why you want to make some of these bets right now? Here's Paul Charchian with me on BetQL Daily. I love doing future bets right now. Uh, and you can, the fantasy players, I think, are way, way, way ahead of a lot of the lines in the sports books. And if you start looking at, at uh, the aggregated average draft positions of players, you can, you can really find a lot of values that are being generated by the fantasy community that aren't yet reflected in lines future bets because those those lines haven't moved in a significant way yet because most of the masses don't really wake up to football betting until training camp starts. So I think for I think for savvy bettors and a lot of them are also fantasy players, people are drafting thousands and thousands of best ball leagues already. You can go get some good data and apply that to, you know, whatever your preferred over under is, passing yards, touchdowns, whatever, and you can get an advantage on the house. George, I think that's really interesting. And actually, I wanted to go there. ADPs. It doesn't mean you agree or disagree. What is really notable? What What is standing out to you as far as some players that are going higher than you would have expected or ones that are sliding down boards? Yeah, and that's, that's a super broad question, so I'm going to give you a broad answer. It, the biggest mm-hmm. change that's happened this year, it's, it's a seismic one in the fantasy community. 
is everybody's finally learned their lesson on running backs. And we are seeing running backs being drafted later than ever. You know, if we just rewind the clock like three or four years ago, most of the first round of fantasy drafts are running backs. And if you didn't take a running back in the first round, then for the love of God, you better take one in the second round because you can't go through life without a first or second round running back. But that, that mentality is largely changing now. And we're finally getting people that are realizing their most valuable picks are at the top of their draft. And the most dangerous position is the running back position. Guys that bust the most get hurt the most. And so we are seeing a massive groundswell towards rushing quarterbacks that are now being taken in the first round. Guys like Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. And we're seeing a massive groundswell for elite tight ends and wide receivers that are going earlier this year than any year before. Well, along those lines, which running backs, when you're looking at season-long props, are you looking to fade in? Who are you higher on for this upcoming season, Charge? I place a couple of future bets <laughs> that uh, I want to get your thoughts on. First is Detroit running back David Montgomery is sitting at over five and a half rushing touchdowns. Now, I find this to be a tremendous value. I'm going over here. The Lions, last year's NFL touchdown leader was Jamal Williams, who scored 17 times. All of them, virtually all of them, were from the strike. And needless to say, for Dan Campbell and offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, they proved that a goal line back can be incredibly effective in this Detroit offense with this great offensive line. So they let Jamal Williams go, and then for similar money, they signed David Montgomery is going to take that role. Jameer Gibbs is not built for goal line work. This is going to be David Montgomery's job to inherit that 17-touchdown role from Jamal Williams. And he's already scored in his career, three-year career. David Montgomery's already scored 19 times from inside the five-yard line. I mean, he's an effective goal line back. And I don't need him to go over five and a half rushing touchdowns when Jamal Williams scored 17 times last year. Okay. I like that uh, approach. I like the methodology. And I, I think to me, when I'm looking at, say, running back touchdowns and things like that, I tend to look at how effective the overall offense is going to be. And yeah, goal line work matters. But if you have a lead and you're running the ball a little bit more in, say, the fourth quarter and you're trying to get those touchdowns to kind of salt games away, I think that's where you can get to an over as far as, uh, you know, season is concerned. And so, uh, especially when it comes to Montgomery, that one makes a whole lot of sense. Um, another futures bet that you talked about, Houston over six and a half wins. How'd you come up with that one? It's, this is, by the way, tied for, tied for the lowest win total in the league, Houston, just six and a half wins. So, um, you know, we're taking a little bit of just, you know, sheer regression here, but despite having a woefully inept coaching staff last year that got released about four nanoseconds after winning in week 18, the Texans were a much improved team in December. If you, if you can recall back to December where nobody was watching Houston, they nearly beat Dallas in December. They took Patrick Mahomes to overtime in December. Then they beat the Titans and then they beat the Colts and knocked themselves out of the first pick of the draft. So this was a sneaky, competent team through December last year. Houston was, so they rolled into this year. They've got a budding star in running back Damian Pierce, who's way better than almost anybody realizes. They've got the third easiest strength of schedule based on last year's win percentages. C.J. Stroud, huge improvement over the Davis Mills, Kyle Allen, Jeff Driscoll combo platter. They were rolling out a quarterback last year. And then they added elite, which should be elite rookie defensive end, Will Anderson, top of the draft. And maybe, but the best move for the Texans is, they got the best offseason head coaching hire. Uh, D'Amico Ryan is going to be awesome. He, he brings immense proven defensive ability to a team that desperately needs it. Texans in a, in a weak division are going to be primed to go over that six-and-a-half win total. Uh, Charge, I'll, I'll admit I am very worried about taking running back overs, obviously due to the injury risk. Uh, but you've got me intrigued here. There, there's a running back that it appears that uh, you're all in on, and you're taking them with some value 
uh, for rushing leader. And, and I think I understand why it, it appears to be a volume play. Uh, why don't you explain to the audience what you're thinking there? Yep, we're talking about Ramondre Stevenson, the running back from New England. I like him two different ways here. The, the easy play is over six and a half rushing touchdowns. I mean, critical to this conversation, know that Damian Harris is gone and was replaced by nobody. So Ramondre Stevenson is getting all the work, unless Dalvin Cook ends up there or somebody else ends up there. This is potentially a situation in which Stevenson could lead the league in carries. And he's the best player in the Patriots offense. I mean, they're heavily limited at quarterback. So Bill Belichick's going to run Stevenson constantly. Now, we've got a new offensive coordinator in New England. It's Bill O'Brien. So I looked up some of Bill O'Brien's running back usage when he was the head coach and effectively the offensive coordinator in Houston. Here's his rushing percentages across compared to the rest of the league from his time as head coach. From 2014 to 2019, Bill O'Brien ran the most plays, the most rushing plays. Then he was 12th with Alfred Blue because they had injuries to uh, uh, Arian Foster. Then they had went 7th, 14th, 8th, and 11th. This is when Bill O'Brien is, he is a run first coach and he's going to run the ball contract year for Stevenson. And by the way, Ramondre Stevenson is really, really good. Last year ran for over a thousand yards, 800 of which were after contact. He finished fifth in yards per carry, ninth in rushing yards over expectation. He's the undisputed goal line back in his nine NFL starts. He's scored touchdowns in five of the nine games. Over six and a half touchdowns feels like a great opportunity for Ramondre Stevenson. And if you want a bigger payout, you want a little extra something on the line, if you like this angle, consider NFL rushing leader Ramondre Stevenson at plus 2,000. I love your enthusiasm here. So yesterday I was making the case for Mac Jones under on his passing total. And it's a bit correlated because I do think Ramondre Stevenson will be running the ball a lot. So maybe I need to tail you here. I do have some questions though about a uh, commander's player. One Sam Howell. Are we sure he's going to be the guy? Cause I see you have him as a deep sleeper and I've got some questions. Cause I just don't know how good he's going to be. Maybe even Jacoby Brissett comes in at some point here in Washington charge. Yeah, it is possible. Jacoby Brissett comes in at some point. Uh, I, I went back and, and watched that full game that they gave Sam Howell in week 18. And I was fully, I want just to, just Aaron, I went in thinking, you know, if he was any good, he would have played before week 18. But man, that week 18 game was pretty, pretty good. And I learned a lot about Sam Howell. And it's, it's given me reason to think that this kid is a, is a really nice dart throw, particularly in fantasy leagues where he's going undrafted in many fantasy leagues. First of all, mm -hmm. if you don't know much about Sam Howell, he is a rushing quarterback. Now, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Josh Allen. But he's on the next tier down. And in that week 18 game, they gave him designed runs. And I wouldn't be surprised if Sam Howell finishes with five, six rushing touchdowns, 20, 30 rushing yards a game. And really that, that correlates into something in the neighborhood of like eight, three fantasy points just with his legs every game. So you're going to get a lot of bootlegs. You're going to get rolling pockets. But the other thing I like about Sam Howell, dude's got an arm. And they, they had him <laughs> heaving deep passes, and he was throwing accurately too. Um, I liked what I saw here. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett's the safe option, and I wouldn't be surprised if Jacoby Brissett at some point gets in this season. But at the end of the day, Jacoby Brissett's not going to get the commanders you know, into the playoffs, into a championship position. That's, I think at some point they're going to go back to Sam Howell, see what they got. And in a, from a fantasy standpoint, he checks all the boxes for what we're looking for with quarterbacks with upside. We're looking for guys that can throw long passes and run the ball because that is a killer combination in fantasy. Let's talk about my Saints here because uh, certainly Chris Olave got a lot of respect uh, as far as sort of the deep threat 
at wide receiver. But you believe that Rashid Shahid is someone we should take seriously and could be one of the big reasons why the Saints offense clicks. How come? Yeah, and uh, when I was talking to uh, Paul, producer Paul, we were setting this up, I'm like, how deep as sleepers can we talk about? And Paul's like, bring it on. Let's give a bunch of people nobody even knows who they are. So we're breaking down Rashid Shahid. Wide receiver 75 in fantasy drafts, overall pick 166. That's it. So to know his story, it's pretty fascinating. Undrafted from Weber State. Didn't play in the NFL. He was a rookie last year. Didn't play in the NFL until week seven. And then promptly scored a 44-yard rushing touchdown. And then later in the season, a 53-yard receiving touchdown. And over the last five games of the same season, Rashid Shahid was the starting receiver undrafted he averaged four catches for 65 yards that's tremendous production from a from a rookie receiver he caught 82 percent of his passes and he's a speedster very healthy a dot that's the average depth of target of 11 and a half yards per pass he finished 30th across all nfl receivers in yards after the catch at six and a half so i i like this kid rashid Jaheed. he's a burner he showed up out of nowhere last year, and he was very good down the stretch. And he is going to flat out beat out the undead corpse of Michael Thomas. He's going to be the team's starting receiver week one for the Saints. Rashid Shahid. All right. I like it. Let's talk about your Vikings. So the takeaway that most betters have is, oh, you got to fade the Vikings next year. 13-4 regular season, negative point differential. I've already talked about it all year. Oh, this is the luckiest team ever, luckiest team ever. But I will say that uh, a lot of the moves that the front office has made, I think, are very smart. I, I do like a lot of them. So I'm wondering, as a better, if people are going to go too far, just, well, I decided I'm fading the Vikings, so I've got to fade the Vikings. Where are you on, on Minnesota and their expectations this year? I'd fade the Vikings. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, uh, you know, okay. For all the, all the reasons you mentioned are totally valid. Uh, but here's what I, here's mm-hmm. what you need to understand about the Vikings. If you're not following this roster closely, and I don't blame you. Here's what you need to know. All of the off season moves, but even going back to last year and now, especially this year are really built for this team to be a very different animal in a year or two Kirk Cousins on the last year of his deal. He's not expected to be re-signed here. They're expected to go into what, what should be a deep quarterback draft next year and go get a rookie. There's, it's hard to find a starting player that's over the age of 27 on this roster anymore. They're quietly doing a rebuild, and that has meant letting go of some good veteran players who could have helped this team this year, but they ain't playing to win this year. They're really playing for the reboot. It's an unspoken rebuild in Minnesota happening right now, and it revolves around the quarterback position. They're not going to continue making Kirk Cousins 18% of their salary cap. They're going to go to the draft, and they're going to reboot, and they're going to try to get lucky in next year's draft, and they're really playing for 2024, 2025. This young roster is really being oriented towards that. And while I'm not suggesting players aren't going to try to win, they're going to go on the field and try to win, but I don't think organizationally this team has is, is put in all of their chips to make a push for the playoffs in a Super Bowl in 2023. Mm. Anyone else that we left off the list that you want to get to? Yeah, how about a guy to avoid? Can I give you one of those? Please. How yes. about Tra- Travis Etienne, running back 14 overall right now. You're paying a premium price for a player with a lot of limitations. Not a goal line guy, won't get score a lot of touchdowns. Little used in the passing game last year, averaging two catches per game. They add in Calvin Ridley to siphon off more catches. They added a new tight end, Cole Strange, to siphon off more catches. 
And they drafted Tank Bigsby, who I like a lot, and it's going to be a way bigger part of this rotation than people realize. And Tank Bigsby, rookie running back, is going to be the goal line guy. Travis Etienne is my biggest fade in fantasy football. Paul Charchian on BetQL Daily. I totally get the idea of going against Minnesota. Makes sense. But the win total is only 8.5 after 13 victories last year. So the market is taking the whole fade the Vikings steam into account. That's why I wonder about fading the Vikings. Uh, Got to buy someone in that north. Next on early odds, let's look at betting the summer league and the most sound way to attack it. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturday mornings 8 to 9 on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, 670 The Score, Saturdays 8 to 9 a.m. I did feel like I needed an NBA break, but I do have to admit to you guys that I'm intrigued by Wemby, intrigued by Chet Holmgren making his return. And you can bet on the Summer League title, Summer League MVP. So I chatted with my guy, Reed Wallach, of BetSided on the best way to bet the Summer League, and it's a simple approach. Listen up. This is from BetQL Daily. My approach from Summer League is I'm really only looking at my first glance going to be at underdogs, trying to take some money line underdogs, you know, trying to navigate the rotations of these teams is going to be a little bit difficult. So I did notice in the Sacramento and Utah Summer Leagues, the totals flew up. Um, They opened in the 160s. And I know last night's two games in Utah closed in the 180s. So I think the Summer League totals might be a bit inflated early on. You might see with a lot of new teams, people figuring out the rotations, maybe unders are the look. I'm going to be looking at underdogs and unders as kind of my first way to attack it. And aside from the Spurs game, we're talking about one possession point spreads. Yeah. So let, let's just talk about what to expect for people that don't bet summer league. Is it normal to see nearly the entire board be as close as one possession? And you're saying 180s is high. What is the norm? And at what number would you say it's inflated? And you throw out Moneyline Dogs. Is that just embrace the variance? Is that what we should be doing with Summer League? That basically anything can happen? It's so unpredictable? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is college all-star G League level for the most part. I mean, for the, you, know, you see some big names out there, second-year pros, third-year pros, you know, the highly touted rookies. But a lot of these guys by the end of the next week aren't going to be playing anymore. They're going to get one game and they're going to, you know, sit and enjoy Vegas for a little bit. So I wouldn't expect when these numbers get out to five and a half, six and a half, it's going to be a bit too rich for me. And I'm just immediately going to look to blind bet the underdogs. I don't know if I'm going to touch the Hornets because I don't, they didn't look so great. I believe they played in Utah. They, I think lost both games and Brandon Miller looked a little out of sorts, but for the most part, I'm blindly betting money line underdogs, you know, plus 200 or greater, you're going to see if a team wins big today, their next game, that's the only sample that you're seeing. So they're immediately going to get a huge bump in the market because, oh, look, they just beat this team by 20. And the team that lost is going to be bumped down. But you don't know who's going to be playing in that next game. I think betting right before post when you know who's playing and who's starting, that's key. And I would just honestly look at blind betting underdogs at over two possessions because, again, it's glorified G League. This isn't necessarily the highest level of competition. So embrace some variance. 
Well, and certainly when you're looking at uh, the futures market in terms of who's going to win the summer league outright, uh, that backs up that idea, right? Like the Spurs, uh, you have to go fairly far down the list to find yeah. them at a uh, thirteen to one here. Uh, Pistons, Thunder, their co-favorites, seven to one. I'm wondering if another approach to, if you're say betting on the futures market here, is to look at say assistant coach staffs, so to speak, because you know your head coaches are, are dealing with a million other things right now. But if you can find like great benches in terms of smart coaching groups, that maybe there's some sort of edge to be had there. So when you're betting the futures market, the key is every team's going to play uh, four games. And you basically, to ensure you're going to make the playoffs, the little mini tour, the little mini playoffs they have, you essentially have to win all your games. Yeah, you, you do have to look at the schedule a little bit. And it kind of uh, stinks for me because the two teams I, were, I was eyeing are playing the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are the favorites. You know, they brought Chet Holmgren. They brought both Jalen Williams's. Uh, Trey Mann looked really good. So I like Dallas and Indiana a lot. Dallas is more of a dart, and I think I'm going to play a little bit differently and play Jane uh, Harvey Hardy to win Summer League MVP. I saw that in the range of you know, 20, 25 to 1. Again, Summer League is basically glorified G League play, and that favors the bucket getters. Um, so someone like Hardy, who was in the G League uh, before he got drafted by the Mavericks, he's a second-year pro, has some experience. I think that Dallas, if Hardy, I'm a Nets fan, Cam Thomas a few years ago had averaged like 30 a game, and he won Summer League MVP. So I think Hardy fits the bill of that. And then the Pacers, while they do play Oklahoma City, the key is they play Oklahoma City next Wednesday. And OKC actually plays the day before against Houston. So I highly doubt that OKC is going to be playing their highly touted prospects. If they even make it that far, I highly doubt they're going to really run them out second night of a back-to-back. Indiana, the schedule actually breaks their way nicely. I saw a 10-1 to this morning. I really like Indiana. You look at their roster, Jairus Walker, of course, uh, top 10 pick. He's out there. But they brought Benedict Matherin. I think he's going to play maybe a game tops, maybe even a half. And then you look down the board, though. Isaiah Jackson's a good rim protector. Uh, Darius McGee, a ball handler from Liberty, really good. Isaiah Wong, obviously from Miami, bucket getter. And then some other veterans in the G League ranks that I think are going to be out there looking for roster spots. You know, Robert Woodard uh, from Mississippi State, if you remember him. Kendall Brown was with the G League team, but he was a draft pick last year from Baylor. So that team is deep that it could handle some of the guys like Benedict Mather and Andrew Nemhart sitting out. And then my favorite play, it doesn't seem like there's – Odds on him available right now, but Oscar Sheway's on this Pacers team. Everybody's familiar with the National Player of the Year uh, two years ago at Kentucky. He's just a force. He eats rebounds. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he puts up 20 20 numbers with his motor. He's built for this, especially to dominate with his energy. He's on this team. If he shows out, I mean, and Indiana goes on a run, I'm looking for Sheway, Summer League MVP. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it before this thing tips off, but. You know, if he's going to be in the 80 to 100 range and Indiana goes on a run and he puts up 20, 20 numbers, I think Shibwe is live for Summer League MVP. If anyone could find it, uh, please DM me at Reed Wallach on Twitter. <laughs> okay. We got to work on that. I, I want to see that number posted as well. There are some sports books that if you request a number that it's not posted, they'll at least give it to I gotta, you. I got to go shopping before this thing tips off. Okay. Okay. Good. A uh, lot of good stuff there. The MVP one is interesting because the trend has been the last four years. First round draft picks that same year 
have won it with Keegan Murray, Davion Mitchell camp. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Thomas, Brandon Clark. Uh, but, you know, with the with the G League trend, that looks like an interesting spot. You said you like Indiana 10-1 to 1, to win the championship. At the top of the board, uh, what, what did you think about this? Does it make sense to you that we're seeing Detroit and Oklahoma City as co-favorites? Portland, with all that noise, that they're the third mm. favorite before getting to Indiana. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense when you look at these rosters, right? Because Oklahoma City, they're bringing Chet Holmgren. They're bringing the Jalen Williamses, but you got to look more at the depth of these teams and who's going to be playing by the end of the week. Because again, you need to play, you know, win all of your games before you get to the playoffs. And, you know, are these guys really going to play all that much? You know, like I highly doubt Chet Holmgren's playing more than a game. Obviously he missed all of last year. So they probably want to get him some experience and some reps, but Detroit, Jaden Ivey's there. I'd be shocked if he plays more than a game, Jalen Duran as well. So I understand why they're favorites because what if they play, you know, all four games, but that's not what I'm expecting. That's why I'm looking a little bit further. I wish Indiana was closer to 15 to one, but I do still uh, like them at 10 to one, especially getting OKC on the back to back. And look, I, it's kind of a calculated risk here. I just like the depth on this team. And while I wish I was getting a little bit better of a number, this has been getting beat down all week. I just think Indiana has the depth to handle games three and games four of the summer league circuit ties into summer league NBA rookie of the year. Uh, do you see the markets overreacting to summer league at all? Like if a guy d- doesn't play well, or maybe you can get some better value. What have you noticed in the NBA rookie of the year market? Yeah, I, I'm not necessarily that interested right now. Cause it's like, when it's like, do you like when or the field? And I imagine, you know, if Scoot Henderson, who's I believe the favorite to win summer league MVP, if he's going to go off in Vegas, I imagine he's going to start shrinking those odds I've been not that interested because to me, it's a two-man race between Wembenyama and Scoot for Rookie of the Year. And now with Dame on his way out, maybe the floor is there for Scoot to take off. I just think if Wembenyama is going to play the requisite games, everyone's so enamored with him. I don't see a reason to go at him right now, especially mm-hmm. in like those field bets. You might as well just take Scoot to me. It's a, you know, if, you want it, if you really believe in Scoot, I guess get it now before the Summer League circuit because this, as someone who played in the G League last year, Scoot's built for this type of tournament setting. Strong stuff from Reed Wallach of Betsided on the NBA, the association. Oh, man, did an injury the other day change things for an MLB award that I thought was done. 
I'll explain. Jim Miller drops by next. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670 to score and the Odyssey app. The Score Listener Line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Welcome back. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The Score, and we've got our guy from Hawthorne Racecourse, Jim Miller, at Hawthorne Jim on Twitter. I am not surprised, Jim, that you want to start with the Home Run Derby because you have someone representing 35th and Shields. And it's interesting when we look at these odds, we have the one seed, but not the favorite. Not even close to the favorite. He's like the fourth choice. Yeah. And it's craziness, but it's one of those things because somewhat it's because of the names. So you think about it. You got Pete Alonso atop, Vlad Guerrero Jr. atop, and then, of course, Julio because of the home stadium. So all of a sudden, Luis Robert trickles down to somewhere around plus 550, plus 600. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you have to start looking at some of these odds because I'll tell you this, Joe, the ballpark is going to play a factor in here. But the other thing that's going to play a factor, and I've been doing my research, mm-hmm. is the hitting style and the spray charts for where these guys hit their home runs. I think it's going to be a factor for this home run derby. All of these guys are strong dudes, but that's something else you want to take into account. Which guys are not going to be as bothered? Which ones are not going to get tired as this thing moves along? So, yeah, Luis Robert is your one seed, but not the favorite. As we mentioned, he's in that four to one, five to one range with guys like Vlad. Vlad is the sixth seed, and he's in the same price range as Luis Robert, but Pete Alonso, the favorite. Why? Because he's won this thing twice. He's always scary in this matchup, but we're not just saying this because he's a member of your Sox. I think Robert has a legitimate chance. You have the advantage of batting second every time, so you don't have to give everything where you don't know how big of a lead you have. I like his matchup in the first round. I think he has the easiest matchup going against Adley Rushman. It's not a Rosa Rain. It's not Vlad as a six. It's not Julio as the seven, which is going to be the hometown favorite people will be cheering for. So he got a really strong draw. I think there are some reasons uh, to back Robert in the Derby. There's two guys you can back, and he's one of them, and we'll get to the other in a second. But think about this, Joe. Okay, the way the bracket lines up first Mm -hmm. off. Pete Alonso faces Julio in the first round. One of your favorites is gone right there. Then to get to the final, they're going to have to probably go through Vlad or Mookie Betts into the final. But they might have to work on that end where, like you said, Luis Robert may not. But here's the thing. I went and did some research, okay? Mm -hmm. So a couple of things that I looked at. First off, You have to look at the dimensions of the ballpark. And things have changed with T-Mobile Park over the course of the years. Fences used to be a little bit further back. Fences were moved inward in 2013. Now, at the same time, it's still considered a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. When the fences got moved in, what it did do is change kind of how things were for the left center field alley because that scoreboard used to be in effect, and you had to hit it over the scoreboard for a home run. That's not the factor anymore either, but it's an eight-foot fence the whole way around. Now, here's the thing. From the lines to the gaps, are pretty drastic. It's 331 on the left field line, 327 on the right field line. It shoots back to almost 380 in the left center gap and then 401 in center. What that means is this. If you want to hit balls out of that ballpark, you have to pull the ball. And you have to pull the ball rather drastically. And like you said, these are very strong guys. But still at the same time, it could come down to those one, two, or three home runs that may just barely clear the fence. So then I go one step further. I went over to Baseball Safan. I pulled up the spray charts for all of these guys for their home runs this season. 
Here's the thing that I found the most interesting. You have a handful of guys, Adley Rutschman, Adolis Garcia, especially, who are guys that kind of spray it all over the place. Pete Alonzo, Randy Rosarena, they like to hit balls into the alley. Same with Vlad Guerrero and same with Julio Rodriguez. There's only two guys in this home run derby that are basically dead pull hitters. Luis Robert, and then even more drastically, Mookie Betts. All 23 of Mookie Betts' home runs have been pulled. He's not hitting balls to dead center. He's trying to yank it down the line. Mm -hmm. So those are the two that I fall on in this contest. Luis Robert, and then Mookie Betts. Mookie's the longest Christ, but Mookie's a guy that might be able to sneak through just based on his hitting style. He's a veteran, so he's going to be smart. But these are the two guys that are going to continually yank balls to straightaway left or down the line, and that could be beneficial to them in the end. Bet's the longest price after Rushman, Robert's opponent in that first round. Yeah, you can find a 10-to-1 on Mookie Betts as the three seed. That's pretty surprising. So Vlad is the heavy favorite, minus 170 in that vlad Betts matchup. And Robert, yep. the biggest favorite. He's around minus 200 going against Adley Rushman. It's going to be fun. I like that look of Betts as well. Man, we're we're in agreement here with the home run. Play matchups. That's that's the cool yes. thing. You can play matchups early on. You can play who's going to be in the final. I mean, they do stuff with the most amount of home runs, all sorts of things. But uh, oh yeah, there's some value in this contest actually, and it's because of one, it's a popularity contest, and betters bet it that way. And then two, again, they're going to bet the hometown boy. It's going to provide some value for you in the home run derby. There's going to be more and more props posted before we get to the derby. Longest home run, the over-under on the number of feet, most home runs in a round. It's a lot of fun. Very creative. I like watching it. I like it a lot more now since there are yep. so many uh, ways that we can bet on this. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, The Score. Jim Miller here on Early Odds. And Jim, let's jump to the AL MVP. I find it interesting that this is the award between the MVP and Cy Young that you wanted to discuss. Actually, kind of doing a reset taking a look at all the MVP awards and the Cy Youngs, and I know you've got a take on rookie, but let's stick with MVP and Cy Young. Between AL and NL, those four spots, this is the one where I didn't have any interest. I came up with a case with value on the other three, but not for AL MVP. Why? Because I think it's Otani. And then the news that we've received so far on that injury is that it's not going to be that bad for Otani. It's not a Mike Trout situation. Just by you telling me that you wanted to talk about AL MVP, I think you disagree that you think there's elsewhere, that there is value on the board with an Otani injury. Did I read that correctly? You did read that correctly because here's the thing. When you're a pitcher dealing with blisters, those can be recurring. Mm -hmm. When you're a guy that could possibly be on the trade market, that's where you have to take it into regards to. If the Angels are not going to sign Shohei Otani, and they have to go out there and at least listen to offers at the trade deadline. Yeah. What happens if he goes over to the NL? All of a sudden, you're sitting there with, what, 60 games left in the season? And he's done for AL stats. That can change everything. And he's such a heavy favorite that every other person in the American League is a massive price. But you're looking at the possibility or potential of all of a sudden, instead of maybe being an every fifth day starter, what happens if he becomes an every eighth to tenth day starter on the mound? What happens if something comes up where he has to miss a few games here or there? What happens if he is traded? There's just guys that you may want to look to value-wise. And again, you have to dig deep because there's not a whole lot of guys that are having these massive seasons in the AL. So there's two numbers I came up with here, Joe. And then if you want to throw any others in, you can. First off at 85-1 to 1 is Kyle Tucker. 
Kyle Tucker's still having a solid season, hitting 293, 13 bombs, 55 RBIs, 14 stolen bases. He's doing it at the plate. He does it in the field. He provides some value. And then the other one that I've talked about before, Adolis Garcia is 200 to one right now. He still leads the league in RBIs. He's in the home run derby. He's got 22 home runs. He's hitting over 260 for a team that is still contending, and he's most likely going to be there all the way through the end of the season. So I'm not saying these guys can beat Shohei. They definitely can't if Shohei plays the whole remainder of the season. But if for some reason he's traded, if for some reason he's injured, there are some guys out there, and everybody else aside from Shohei Otani provides value in the American League. Yeah, and now we can remove Trout from that conversation. There are some players very high in war that I also think that you can remove, like the Texas Rangers. You think Garcia can win it. And, hey, if he takes the home run derby, maybe that could go a long way of people realizing, hey, look at what this guy is doing for the Rangers. I don't think he can win it. It's tough for these Texas players. There's so many good hitters in that lineup. None of them have that star power, that national appeal that you do need. Okay, I think Otani's going to win it. I don't think he gets traded. But if I'm going to entertain the idea like you are, I think there's two names you look at. You have to look at Wander Franco. He's 35 to one. He's second in F war behind Otani. And you know, who's third, one of your picks for the home run derby, Luis Robert, he's a hundred to one. So if I'm going to go away from Otani and look for some big time value with a monster ticket, that's where I would go. I'd go Wander Franco or Luis Robert, but for the record, I think Otani's winning it. I can see that, but here's the thing. You make a great case for Luis Robert because he's just getting hot. That's the reason he's the number one seed because of recency of the home runs he's hitting. And we've started to see this in times. If he stays healthy, he can hit them in bunches. There's every possibility that he could be at 50 home runs when you're at the end of the season. So if you're looking at 50, 100 plus RBIs, 20 plus stolen bases, if for some reason they find a way to climb back into this division a little bit, he's marketable. He's recognizable. They know who he is and everybody's going to find out who he is in the home run derby too. And that is a massive number as well. All right, how about this? Let me throw out some other names for the other awards that I do like, and you you yep. give me a yay or nay if you like the value or not, all right? Yep. NL MVP. People are starting to have the conversation that if you believe it's Otani in the AL, well, it's Acuna in the National League. I don't think there's that sort of a gap. We're talking about one win, the difference between baseball reference war and also fan graphs war. It is not an Otani situation. Yes, Acuna should be the favorite, and he is. You can find him minus 350, minus 400. That is a monster favorite as we just approach the all-star break. So where's the value? You know, Corbin Carroll's up there. There's no way he's winning it this year. He'd have to be far and away the best. Tatis's numbers are up there, but they're not going to vote for Tatis. Nope. Here's, Here's my thought. How about Tatis's teammate? A guy that we've seen go on tears in the second half. And his number is now the best that it's been all season. A superstar. Juan Soto is 40 to one. You and I both talked about it a few weeks ago that when Ronald Acuna was right around even money, even like minus 130, that that was the play there. Mm -hmm. And I do still believe he is going to win the the MVP in the NL. But Soto is one of those guys where even like we just talked about Luis Robert, you talk about a guy that can get hot, can hit home runs and bunches. He's a guy that could have a Sammy Sosa-like month and hit 20 in a month. That's the thing that you have to look to for a team that is going to be prominent, that is going to be a team that probably figures all the way to the end of the season, especially with all the injuries going on in L.A., and you still have Arizona at the top of the standings out there. That wouldn't surprise me one bit at all. If you want to play, I think that's actually the route you go. I don't think they beat Acuna, but again, you never know with an injury or anything. I like that play on Soto. 
NL Cy Young, there's a number out there that I just don't understand. Zach Allen is the favorite. Okay, that makes sense. Strider, they used to be neck and neck. Now Strider's fallen back a little bit. Now Strider is the third favorite. But there's another name that's been in the mix in the past that has a high strikeout rate that is a bit of a workhorse, something that you need. There are some top pitchers this year, like Stroman, like Steele, that are having awesome seasons. But the problem is they don't get the strikeouts. So I don't think they're going to win the award. Wheeler is right behind Gallon in war and Wheeler's 20 to one. I don't understand that number. I don't either. And the thing is, is Gallon going to make this happen the entire season? Is Arizona going to be up there the entire season? It's an incredible first half, but it's one of those things where are you going to stay hot all year or are things going to tail off a little bit and regress to the mean a little bit where Wheeler is proven time and again and again, year after year after year. And like I said, high strikeout rate, workhorse for a guy that is going to have to be the workhorse if this team is going to be competitive all the way to the end of the season. So that at 20 to one is a little bit unreasonable, actually. I would have expected that number to be half of that. Yeah, and A.L. Cy Young, I don't agree with the favorite. I don't know what to do with this category. Well, it's Framber Valdez. He's the two-to-one favorite everywhere. But just based on numbers alone, I think Gaussman should be the favorite. We're talking about 12 strikeouts per nine. That's best in baseball, but he's four-to-one. So I think there's a little bit value on Gaussman as the second favorite. But I'll tell you what I find really intriguing, Jim, and maybe it hurts them because it pulls votes away from each other. There are so many twin starters that I like for this award. I'm landing on Sonny Gray. He's right there in in B-War, right behind Garrett Cole. Cole, 3-5, Gray, 3-3. Home run per nine, it's not even close. Gray's the best in baseball. He's in the top four as far as F-War goes. Like I think we can make a case for Joe Ryan, too. But this Gray number at 45-1, to a bit of a name value, too. It wouldn't surprise me if he has a great second half and he catches Valdez and Gaussman. He's the more recognizable name, too, and and I'm glad you mentioned that. The thing is, too, how many people are going to vote for an Astro? You don't know. I mean, Verlander did right. get his vote. So you never know. But are they going to do that on back-to-back years also? The thing about it, too, when you're looking at Sonny Gray, again, that's a terrible division. The AL Central, we've talked about it time and again, is a terrible division, which means your team's going to figure all the way to the end of the season, which means Sonny Gray is going to take the ball every fifth day and work deep into games that are going to be meaningful games, but they're going to give him that opportunity to win some games. He's going to have a low ERA. He's going to have a low walk to strikeout ratio. So he's going to be in a good spot in that he doesn't give up the long ball. So he's a guy that, again, workhorse innings are going to be beneficial. And it's going to help those strikeout numbers in the end, but there is some value there. I'm glad you mentioned Gaussman because he's a guy that, that you just have to kind of look at what you have right in front of you. 12 Ks per nine is something that you don't see. You see that out of relievers. You don't see that out of a ton of starters anymore. And that's something that you can't look beyond either a four to one. A few more minutes with Jim Miller of Hawthorne Racecourse. This is early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio, 670 the score. You know I like this time of year. This is when I bet Robbie Ray at a monster number. Just checking in, looking at the awards, and hey, there's more value than many people expect because you look at the MVP and it looks like it's a runaway. It's never, ever that easy when it comes to the awards market, no matter what sport you're talking about. All right, Jim, you've got something for National League Rookie of the Year. I have a guess of where you're going, and I'm thinking you know. NL Central. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Makes a lot more sense after that Corbin Carroll shoulder injury for the second time. In a way. I, I don't know. We have to go to the odds from the other day because we need more details on this injury. But the Diamondbacks are saying they believe they dodged a major bullet. So maybe there's going to be value on Carroll once NL Rookie of the Year is reposted. Could open the door for make, miss the playoffs, NOS, pennant, 
a World Series bet. I mean, that's just how impactful Carroll's been. So maybe some projection here on Carroll's return. But and, and here's the reason why, though, and we have to talk about this because everybody's talking about Corbin Carroll for possible MVPs. In the last two weeks, every single time you turn on any sports show with baseball highlights, who are you seeing? You're seeing Ellie De La Cruz. And yep. you're seeing it because of the knob on the bottom of his bat, followed by an absolute missile. You're seeing a team that's winning massive amounts of games and bunches. You're seeing a guy that, if you think about it, okay, let's look at the numbers. Ellie De La Cruz has just over 100 at-bats right now. He's hitting 318. Corbin Carroll's at 292. Carroll has 18 home runs, right? Ellie, again, in just 100 at-bats, he's got four home runs. But he's already got 14 RBIs, which is a third of Carroll's number. So he's closing the gap rather quickly there. And he's stolen 11 bases. Carroll's at 24. So Carroll, for a guy who looked like an absolute runaway, even two weeks ago, every couple of weeks, it seems like Ellie De La Cruz closes that gap a little bit more and then closes it a little bit more and continues to do it. But at the rate that he's going, he -hmm. could very easily hit the end of the season and have over 20 home runs. He could have over 60 RBIs. He could have 30 stolen bases for a team that might make the playoffs when nobody thought they were going to make the playoffs this year. And he's hitting 300 plus, but he's a constant highlight. And you look at voters, you can't get beyond the fact that you see this guy every day. They're in awe of him, his size, his speed, everything he does. And that's something where when you're looking at Ellie De La Cruz, I mean, we talked about this guy back when he was 40 to one. I think there's still a little bit of value there with him even right now. It's going to be so difficult because if they both stay healthy, it looks like Carroll's going to have two more months of baseball than De La Cruz. But you're right. He is a human highlight reel. You go out of your way to watch Reds baseball. The other thing that really stands out looking at these NL Rookie of the Year odds, Jim, is that Cincinnati has the second favorite in De La Cruz, the third favorite, the fourth favorite, and the fifth favorite. But nobody's yeah. talking about McLean, Steer, or Abbott, are they? And here's the thing. That's, what's it doing? It's making it a lot easier on those guys and the team. Because think about this. That's part of the reason you went into some of these games, because not the, these rookies aren't all having to take everything on their shoulders. It's basically on Ellie's shoulders right now. And then these guys are allowed to play, allowed to develop, allowed to excel, and they're not having to deal with nearly as much of the cameras in their faces after every game, the microphones right there at their locker every game. They're getting some of that, but he takes some of the pressure off of them. And this Reds team is building up, and they're, they, they're doing it very quickly, but still a little bit quietly to the fact that they could become the team to beat in the NL Central for a very long time and do it very quickly here too. The problem for me, and I know I keep bringing up war, but this is a big gap. Carroll with two more months of games. And the gap still with everything De La Cruz has done is still three wins. Yep. That's going to be tough. Now, if he cuts it to one and a half, he could win it. He and I think he ha- will. He doesn't have to outright lead in that category, but it's going to be very difficult because Carroll's been a machine too. But De La Cruz is going to make it a conversation. People are yep. going to talk more and more about this than they have in other seasons when it comes to the rookie of the year. But again, it comes down to how bad this shoulder situation is. Extended period of time, De La Cruz probably going to take over. All right, Jim, what about the horses today? All right, Horseshoe Indianapolis has a huge card. It's Indiana Derby Day today, so we're looking at three races there at Horseshoe Indianapolis. Race 10, bet the 10, sweet Danny girl across the board, a chance to steal that race on the lead. And race 11, the Indiana Oaks, we're going to bet the two-horse tax just to win. And then race 12, the Indiana Derby, 
Going to bet a horse that ran in the Kentucky Derby, the five, verifying. Again, bet this one just to win. But if you hook those up, you might be able to hit a nice little pick three wager, too. All right. Beautiful, Jim. Good stuff. Enjoyed the conversation. Enjoy All-Star Week, the Home Run Derby. And uh, we'll check back in in a couple weeks, all right? Let's make some money, Joe. Good luck. All right. NFL, NBA, MLB betting angles. If you missed any of the past hour this morning, you could use a rewind feature on the Odyssey app or check out the Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski podcast. Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Chuck Swirsky in for the vacationing David Haw is next. Well-deserved break for Mr. David. I'm taking a two-week break before we go all in on football for the fall, but Early Odds will be here for you. Cash those tickets and keep it locked right here on 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.